me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hi. Welcome. H I A C. Welcome to H I A C Talk Radio. I don't know what's wrong with me. I am not the above average meeting. I'm the other guy now. I'm the I'm the other guy. Thanks, man. Uh, welcome. I I have two big, huge bags of charmed blow pops. That's who I am. Uh, with me is the guy who has a cat, a hot girlfriend, and awesome uh, wear, and a bathroom designed like Batman. Um, welcome, HIC Talk Radio. Uh, we'll 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 actually we'll talk about in the modern chat the wrestlemania a and e thing last because it'll transition right into the historian stuff brilliant i'm brilliant um but hey there's still a little bit of fallout from the aw scuffle uh which we learned about of course after we recorded last week's episode uh-huh. uh there was a fight there was a chair thrown it hit nick jackson in the eye which you know what no no big wall no big no big whoa no big loss <laughs> Oopsies. Oopsie. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I am Italian. It's not, not offensive to me. Um, someone was bitten. Someone's, someone was bitten. Uh, and it was just a bunch of bitchy behavior that, you know, you could see the moment in that interview. I think we talked about the interview um, on last week's episode, like barely uh, that CM Punk gave later on that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talked about Scott Colton, Colt Cabana. Yeah. Which I refuse to call him Colt Cabana anymore. And I also, yes, because I also mentioned, you know, I've heard because uh, CM Punk brought up the bank account thing. And I'm like, well, I can't tell the story, although I don't think it matters now. <laughs> but there was a. There was a. An incident's not the right word for it, but there was a. He pulled the warrior and tried to, he, he would only fly. How do I say this delicately? The cheap bastard would only fly on a certain um, ticket, uh-huh. which would have cost the company twice as much. And therefore he was, can- we canceled the appearance. I said, we, they canceled his appearance. Uh, Cause he was a little bitch about it. So I completely believe him uh, sucking off his mom's uh, bank account. That's, that's very interesting to me. Um, but after yeah. that, I get, I get, I'll oh, go ahead, Craig. Uh, yeah. Well, um, the fact that this whole thing came out, um, is yeah. really, uh, what, um, is what triggered this whole thing. And, and it, we'll go back to what triggered the whole thing uh, a little bit later, but, um, because this was brought up after punk's match, um, the word, the name Scott Colton came up and because, uh, punk is not a guy that goes running to the tabloids or what passes for tabloids in the wrestling circles or spills his guts about, you know, his personal life or even his falling out. I knew that he and Cole Cabana weren't cool anymore. I don't know any reason. I don't know the reason why. I don't know what, what for. I don't know what happened. I knew he, nothing. He told you. He, I yeah. mean, he told you now. But, and he did, but he went into the entire thing uh, at the post-match media scrum 
uh, something that I'm sure he didn't want to do. And but he was at his wits end. I think we talked about this last week. You you hold a bunch of wrestlers backstage after a pay-per-view and they've already been out there for five hours and it's two o'clock in the morning. Everyone's short on patience. Everyone is wants to get home. And Punk even said and later on in that same interview, I'm tired, I'm bleeding, I'm I'm old, I don't have time for this shit. And in fact that one of the reporters brought up the name Scott Colton and that's what set Punk off. Um and and all the, the details about the, how their relationship ended and how Punk has had nothing to do with them for since 2014 for the past eight years. And the fact that people thought that uh or the people uh, Scott Colton's friends uh thought that Punk is the one that got him fired, where Punk had, and this is a quote, had fuck all to do with that. I did he made it very clear I I don't care about where the guy works, where he doesn't work, where he eats, where he sleeps, nothing. Nope. So this is Punk at his wit's end. Interesting, though, that Tony Khan was sitting right next to him. The owner, CEO of AEW, sat right the, there. The look on his fucking face. Didn't precious. say anything. Um, and obviously, this he, is he not, said a lot with these, though. He said a lot with his face. And, there, <laughs> and there's video and there's memes out there of of, of Tony Khan while CM Punk is going through this diatribe about Scott Colton. But the problem is, this is not the first time that Tony Khan has heard this. He knows all about the problems that Scott Colton and CM Punk, he had to have known that because Scott Colton was there first at AEW first, wasn't being used and, you know, no one cared um, before he even got there. So when Punk got there, Obviously, they were going to have a conversation about how what your relationship is, and uh, CM Punk spelled it out in no uncertain terms. Um, it was certainly no uncertain. No, there was there was no gray area. Nobody's uh, guessing. There's not any gray area with that, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, sucks to sweat up a dead man's balls. Man's balls. I don't know what that means, but it sounds pretty negative to me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, the and it and it got worse because when Punk said afterwards that um he heard that the reason why it was brought up because Scott Colton and his friends, um, who are the EVPs yeah. of All Elite, were the ones that were saying all this stuff to <laughs> the wrestling press or to the wrestling media. Punk never mm -hmm. said a word because Punk doesn't give a shit. Mm -mm. Um, so. That's when, again, two o'clock in the morning, end of my rope, lost all patience, old, tired, sweaty, old, all the above. And Punk said, I'm dealing with a bunch of EVPs who couldn't manage a target, and you're listening to them. Um, and I, I have to, I'm dealing with children here. And if anyone has a problem with that, come see me. Knowing, and I'm sure Punk said that because he knew full well the EVPs he was talking about wouldn't take him up on it because to him and to a lot of people that they're a bunch of pussies who wouldn't do a thing about it. Well, turned out we now know they did. Um, <laughs> Oops. Whoops. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, 
And I, it was just those three. Okay. But it's, it was the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, um, Michael Nakazawa, uh, Brandon Cutler, and um, Tony Khan's uh, lawyer, or the head of, a, uh, head of HR, all were there. All went thank, to Punk's. Thank God he was there. Yes. All went to Fox Locker. And it's a, it's a, it's a woman. She, uh, her name is uh, Mega. Um, I thought it was Megan, but it was her name is Mega. But she was, they all were there. And Punk was in the locker room with his dog. Fred, uh, Larry. Larry. Larry's Larry. dog. And A. Steele's wife, who's on crutches. So Nobody fucks with Larry. No. No. And yeah. in the in the post in the in the uh, the fight that happened, um, we now you you said it first. Uh, Nick Jackson, one of the young bucks, got hit in the face with a chair, hurt his eye. Um, other people were hit. Kenny Omega uh, was bit. Hopefully, it was by Larry, but apparently it was by a Steel. And a Steel came to the dressing room because his wife is in there. Yeah, and. When we got five people running into the dressing room with my, you know, I hear, you know, something, something coming on. He's going to go, you know, defend his wife. And he's sure. also Punk's best friend. Yep. For now. For now. Uh, and I, I, you know, none of this is. You want to blame everyone. Um, you, you can blame Punk for, I don't know, well, you can blame the Bucks. You can blame Kenny Omega. Um I, my soul, the, the person I point the biggest finger at for starting this time bomb, even though um, I think this would have happened eventually. Um, I think we'll, we would have heard more stuff if Cody hadn't signed uh, an NDA uh, before he left. But I blame Adam Page in all this. Because. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Page. Um, right before his title match with Punk for the AEW title a month ago, um, went into business for himself. And that means he delivered, a, and I remember watching this promo, and I don't watch Adam Page promos, and I try not to watch Adam Page at all, but his promo didn't make any sense. I was wondering where he was going with this because he was painting Punk as a heel and how AEW needs to, needs to watch themselves I'm here. He said, I'm here to defend not my title. I'm here to defend AEW from you, punk. And everybody said, what the hell is he talking about? We know now that that wasn't what he was supposed to say. He went into business for himself and, and did a shoot promo on punk. Punk, to his credit, knew what was going on. It didn't say anything. Um, and didn't fire back because if you're going to going on the war words with punk on the mic uh you best not be an adam page to do that because you're very much ill-equipped but so when punk had the match well punk got hurt and so when he came back uh his first match back he gave adam his receipt and that's when he said uh he gave his promo that uh the apology should be as loud as the you know the the initial statement and I know you're not going to come out here because that's not cowboy shit. That's coward shit. And so let me give you some advice. And he was talking about how um, 
Adam Page, Adam Page had remarked in an earlier interview how a reporter asked him, him being surrounded by so many legends in AEW, like Mark Henry, Stephen Regal, Taz, Jim Ross, if he ever asked for any advice from them. And he said, no, I really don't think I need any advice. You know, we, I helped build this company and we built this company. So, and that, and the punk alluded to that in his media scrum. Um, it's like, who the fuck are you to not take <laughs> advice from these guys that have been in the business, actually done something in the business and you haven't done shit. So, and he called him an empty headed moron. So, but Adam, now we, but we know Adam Page is part of the friends of the program, meaning Adam Page is with the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega crew, the whole, the best friends, um, the all friends wrestling, the guys that only put themselves over and their friends over and not want to do what's good for business by putting anyone else over that's maybe more popular than them, cough FTR. Or even if they claim they're friends, they still won't put them over, cough, red dragon, uh, because they don't want to lose their standing in the company. Same thing with Kenny Omega. Um, so when Punk said what he said, they all came down on Punk, fight, scrum. Now they're all suspended. And Punk, we know now, has a torn tricep. Now, whether the tricep was torn during his match with John Moxley that night or during the post-match scrum, but we know from Cody that a torn tricep means he's out for at least six to eight months. Uh, Bucks and Omega, however, uh, for as, as far as I know, didn't sustain any major injuries, but how long they're going to be off TV remains to be seen. But the entire company is in massive disarray and you can point as many fingers as you want um show must go on and lost in all this was the return of mjf the the biggest heel in the company and maybe the best heel in all of professional wrestling um makes his fortuitous return just in time for punk omega and the bucks to be suspended Uh, I'll say, I will say this though. Um, I, and I know you'll disagree a bit, but God, I love seeing all this shit. I enjoy it so much. You know, it's like the old days, man. You know, there's different room instead. Of, and, and most people, instead of just enjoying the shit show that it is, you know, they're picking sides and he was right. He was, I'm, in the, I'm just sitting back on. <laughs> what are you enjoying? What are you enjoying about it? Uh, that it's a giant shit show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm liking the shoot aspect of it. There's still part of me that thinks this is a giant work. Yeah, I know, I know. Just, there's part of me like I'm not. I'm I'm 75, 80 percent. Like, wow, this is really unfortunate. Maybe it's hope. I hope it's a work that they finally got their shit together, figured out. Like, oh, I have an idea. Um, and I know how you feel about that. That, that that's not never gonna happen. Um, which I, I don't necessarily disagree with. But mm-hmm. uh I do enjoy watching it's like watching a car accident from across the street. It's real fun. Um it, it, I guys go ahead. 
No, 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 no you, 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 you. No, I was gonna say I, I disagree because other than talking about it on the show, I've given fuck all about any of this shit <laughs> in that way because uh, I, I was fired up that MJF was back. That that was done brilliantly. I thought I think we we touched upon it last week. I thought it was done perfectly. They they waited and mm-hmm. waited, mm-hmm. and at the right moment. He was the Joker. Now, again, it was the worst kept secret. Didn't matter. It didn't take away. It was one of those that didn't take away from the moment when he pulled the mask off. And I was like, he put, you know, he puts the scarf on. I'm like, okay, that's Mm -hmm. great. Good. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not interested in debating who's a better man and who's right. And CM Punk's a bitch and the the, uh, young, but just put it out there. I, I believe everything. CM Punk said, uh, and 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 part of that is because I despise the Young Bucks that much. I I really don't care. Uh, past that, watching everyone lose their shits on social media is pretty much a fucking show for me. <laughs> um, I disagree with you though. On you say right on time for MJF to come back, and he's got. If you don't push MJF to the absolute top now, do you have no one to blame but yourself? There's no Young Bucks, which take it up as much space as they were, in my opinion. Uh, I like Kenny Omega, um, not as a booker. I like him as a wrestler. I, I know the school of Cornette. I, I understand the misgivings and the mm-hmm. despise for his style. I totally get it. I like it in small doses. Um, but he ain't there right now, Mm-mm. and CM Punk's not there. Have him just have uh Adam Page job to this guy, and just have MJ, MJF just do what you said and I said from the beginning. The top, he is the best talker in the business right now. There really, in my opinion, is no close second. Mm-mm. Um. Well, Paul Heyman's on a list on by himself. I'll yeah. say, let me let me make an amend there. Amends right there. Paul Heyman doesn't count. He's not a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, he is the best talent, uh, mm-hmm. talking talent in the business has ever seen in the last 20 years. Yes. Whole HMP. But <laughs> NJF has got everything you need. Yes. There's no reason to hold him back now because there's no one else to be there. You've got months. Let's go. Let's go, Tony. And the, and the reason why I disagree with you being a work, because if this is a work and your first match back after you lost the biggest stars on your roster, you lost the biggest star for, for the rest of the year, and you lost Bucks and Omega in your first show back, you bring back MJF to start the show, but your main event is Wheeler Yuta and Danny Garcia. Well, see, I disagree because I, I, I love Wheeler Yuta. And I, I, I'm not a fan of Danny Garcia, but I love Yuta. They're so tr- so they're we're tr- never going to see eye to eye on that one. There are two guys, Dan, that don't mean so shit what? to pro wrestling. Arn Anderson that- looked like a fucking bag of shit teacher. But Arn Anderson had gravitas. Arn Anderson was booked the right way, so Arn Anderson... You knew was well, a bad Wheeler Judah. He's booked like ass against Daniel Garcia. You're shoving. Look who's booking it. 
exactly my point. Coke. That's well, that's why- not Wheeler's fault. Tony Khan's the problem. We know that. We know that. So that's why I'm saying if this is a work, if, okay, this is a work, we're going to get Bucks and Omega out of there and Punk's gone. So it's now. Wait, wait. If it's a work, it fucking ain't Tony Khan's idea. It's their idea. Well, it's probably Sam Punk and Kenny's idea because I don't think fucking. Uh, everything uh, goes through. Everything goes through Tony Khan. Eh, which, is the only reason, which is the only reason. You would have a Daniel Garcia where you the main event the, the, the after a pay-per-view, after the biggest pay-per-view you've ever had and I the biggest it. media scrum. And, and it's fine. And they had a great match. I'm not knocking you to or Garcia. I'm, I'm saying not, I'm knocking Garcia with all. I'm knocking both of them because neither one of them has any goddamn personality or any reason for me to care about any of them. You have a main event of Yuta and Garcia with Ricky Starks and and Hobbs not even on the effing card. Well, that's Tony. That's FTR. Tony Khan, though. You have F. You got Claudio. You got FTR, and that's your main event. Oh no! But those guys are Ring of Honor guys. Yeah, and they're defending a championship for an organization that doesn't exist. I mean, listen, he's doing more with it than he Vince did with WCW. That's one thing he got right uh, out of the 90 other things he got wrong. Okay, so now I, you've ruined it. I don't think it's a work at all anymore. You've convinced me. <laughs> he, and so I'm not even kidding. I'm like, well, you know, you're right. You know, right. You, you know, Craig, you're right. <laughs> Dan, I don't want, I, thank you. I don't want to be right. I want, I want, I want them to capitalize on this. Now you've got everyone actually looking at AEW for a change. And this is the shit you give them. And again, well, that's I'm not- what I'm saying about MJF. Why was he? That's it. And where's Wardlow? That's your oh, Goldberg. Fucking no. That's your that's your Goldberg. That's your 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 Brock Lesnar. Your unstoppable force, and he's like been invisible ever since he beat MJF. Ever since you made him a big deal. Now he's not anymore. Um. This is gonna have long-reaching effects with AEW. Um, I, you know, the article just came out. I read it right before we came on the air. Bobby Fish said that uh, it, the Young Bucks told him that they were never gonna put Red Dragon over, um, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And let you me, know, the- let me let me just say this right now. Yes, the Young Bucks should never be anywhere near a fucking book. No, ever again. And for those out here that's going to say, let's see, you do better job than Young Bucks. Give me the book. Yeah. Okay. Call it your bluff, bitch. Okay. Give me the book. Because, you know, the only reason, I mean, I don't, why they're called EVPs, it's just such a ridiculous misnomer. No wrestler should ever be an EVP of any company. But the reason why they didn't want to, do a job to instead of having FTR and the FTR Young Bucks three for all the belts, FTR decided to give up their belts on an out of nowhere triple threat tag team title match where they didn't even get pinned just so they can turn on, they can have the uh, Red Dragon turn on them so they can be baby faces 
because they knew Omega was coming back and they could win the six-man title so they, so they could all have belts. That's the only reason. So instead Bell of having... they had to literally hold up the next day. Yeah. So instead of having a Young Bucks FTR 3 on a pay-per-view for all the belts that would give you, that would make you money, they want to have, they want to win their newly created six-man belts you, that you know were created just for Young Bucks and, and Kenny. There's no reason to have a six-man belt at all. That's all the Young Bucks doing. So all the stuff coming out about the Young Bucks and the kind of people they were, they don't want to put anyone else over. They don't like anyone else getting more shine than them. So when a tag team comes out that gets themselves over, like the acclaimed or a tag team that works so good that they're going to get themselves over, like FDR, the Bucks can't stand it. Same thing with Jericho. Jericho wanted MJF to turn face. Begged him to turn face. Why would that be? Because Chris doesn't want another heel outshining him. Um, AEW is the top heel in that company. Period. No matter what Chris or any of the other young fucks say, he is indeed. I don't agree with a lot of things Jim Cornette says these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, I. And I'm really tired of not saying anything because everybody, because sometimes wrestling fans are just shit on the internet. Yes. Um, I'm a nobody. Go fuck yourself. Uh, the young bucks are overrated. They're fucking stupid as bookers and go to fuck home. Yes. And, and, and again, I said it last week. And I want to preface this again by saying, I just want the company to be good. Yeah. There, there's a lot of good things on the show, but I don't need any of those motherfuckers at the top. None of them. No. Um, so preface that I want to preface that by saying that mm-hmm. and I'm stalling for time to pick up the thought that I've lost. Um, but yeah, no, in the back of my mind, I've got it back now. Uh, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking about one person. Yeah. Cody. Yes. After all of that. Mm-hmm. And I know people keep pointing at the uh, slamming of the throne with the with the sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Which is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. All of that shit. I uh, I believe of all of Cody's flaws and sometime his um, tone deafness, which is weird, married to who he's married to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of tone deafness, uh, AEW heels. Google that one. That. I truly believe he wanted to do different. I believe that. I I believe every word he said. Mm -hmm. I believe it as much as I believed anytime Dusty said something. I believe that. Yeah. But I believe that all of that is impossible when you have the Young Bucks involved. Yeah. I don't even think Kenny's part of the problem. I know you and I will not see eye to eye about the wrestler he is. And I don't think any less, and vice versa, that's fine. I, you know, we're allowed to disagree. I know, novel idea. We're allowed to disagree with not calling each other's name. It's weird. But as far as booking, I don't think, I think he's the least of the problems. Mm-hmm. Least of the problems. But I truly believe that Cody had a real idea and he just went, he got into bed with the wrong people. Yeah. Well, and, Cody- you know, and, and, and proven just to bring up Cornette. With the uh-huh. praise he lavished that match this past week, which mm-hmm. I know you heard, 
So yeah, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Get him off the fucking. Get him out of there and go to fucking. Do me a favor. Stay home. Yeah. Anyway, that's just me. Uh, you can direct those messages to that brick wall over there. <laughs> All the hate messages you're going to send me because they dared not say AEW is perfect. That brick wall, you can put it over there. <laughs> I want the same thing you do, Dan, as far as AEW, because I thought I was, I would love an, uh, an alternative more than anything else. Uh, whether it be, whether when it was TNA or if it was even gone, gone all the way back to Smoky Mountain. And we started about TNA right um, now. But um, just something Again, else. Again, right now, the only thing Impact has is the women. Continue. Yeah, but I mean, back when T- back when Impact first started and they oh, okay, were yeah, the AEW route, when they were getting all ex WWE stars and were putting on great matches like Angle and Joe and um, Dudley's and um, Motor City Machine Guns and that kind of stuff, uh, AJ and Christopher Daniels and those guys. Um, when there was actually stuff, when it was a good, a healthy alternative. Um, I what I wanted AEW. And I know that's what Cody wanted too. Cody, the only one in AEW that actually has a, uh, a background in wrestling and a, not just a, a pedigree for lack of a better word, but the knowledge of how the business works from the inside out coming mm-hmm. from someone who, who spent his life in locker rooms and just so happens that his father was one of the greatest bookers <laughs> of all just, time. Just so happens it was just Dustin so fucking Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who learned at the feet of some of the greatest bookers of his time, like Eddie Graham um, and, uh, and Bill Watts. So he's got all of this knowledge and Cody likes to wear the suits and he likes to, um, he, he wanted to, be and he looked the part of an executive vice president someone who uh and it's the symbolism of the 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 uh chair smashing because cody sees himself like a triple h why wouldn't he want to transition from being a active wrestler to someone behind the scenes that can work with talent and nurture them the way that triple h is doing now and the way triple h had been doing but you know while he was winding down his career. Um, but you can't do that. It, Cody knows now he could not do that in AEW when you have people like the Young Bucks um, that only look out for themselves. Kenny Omega, who's booking the women's division like his own personal Japanese schoolgirl fantasy. Um, and Chris Jericho, who wants to do only what he wants to do. and because namely put himself over and every guy that fused with Chris Jericho immediately disappears um, outside of MJF only because he's so good, but you notice that Jericho wins in all these feuds. Eddie Kingston, MJF, no, Brian no Danielson. to beat Eddie Kingston. No. There's no reason for him to beat MJF. There's no reason for him to beat Brian Danielson. At all. But that's who Cody had to deal with, and that's why Cody that, you know what, I'm out of here. I know a place that really does want me and where I, w- I won't be in charge, but at least I'll have more input than I will have here. 
And had there not been a, had he not had his injury, we could have had a title change by now. Roman would be able to take a break. Cody could be, would be champion. But for now, I'm looking at him as the winner of the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, 2023. But, uh, and he, again, I, like I said at, at the beginning of the uh, podcast, he, um, we're awfully close. I know. I'm trying to fix it. Hey. Um, um, <laughs> But my, uh, my plan, my plan did not go. I <laughs> what I was trying to do did not work out. Gonna go. I've gone awry, but um, I just broke my desk. That's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh well. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Cody, Cody signed an uh, an NDA, so he's not going to be saying anything about. Oh, I can't wait. That's a, until that's up. Yeah, um, and I'm Ooh, sure. Oh, can't wait. But you see what what Punk has had to go through, so you can you can understand why cody left um because oh yeah i, I get it yeah <laughs> i'm sure he didn't have to deal with anywhere near the degree of bullshit that punk had to do to deal with nope. uh because punk comes in and he's already a bigger star than omega and the bucks put together and they don't like that even though it's what's best for businesses may not be best for them kind of like what the he needs of the many outweigh the needs, needs of the few, few. Well, it's like what uh what Punk said about his old friend Scott is that I brought a guy with me to the big time, but I brought a guy with me who didn't want to see me on top. There's no one like that in wrestling. What are you talking about, Craig? Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So AEW continues to um they do uh MJF came back in Buffalo. Great appearance, uh, wearing his <laughs> Josh Rosen jersey, coming out full face, doing the Jericho thing, you know, standing in the crowd. Give yourselves a hand. Everything great and for you eventually turned. Uh, like to see how they capitalize this on Friday. They lost a lot of viewers. They had a million viewers at the beginning of the of the show with MJF. And they lost about 350,000 by the time they got to the main event. Um, mm. So they're sending hope- you a clear message there. Yes. So I'm, I'm hoping AEW does something uh, on Friday to kind of capitalize on this. Cause right now, cause amazing at the sound, Dan Saturday, last Saturday or the previous weekend, WWE did a, their first pay-per-view in 30 years in the UK and the next day all anyone talked about in wrestling was AEW. Whoops. AEW needs to do something about that. Yeah, I capitalize on it. Yeah, I, I don't care. Like in that way, like oh, everybody talk about AEW. Yeah, fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. And you let's know fucking go. We were talking about WWE pay-per-views that count the uh clash at the castle um now it just seems like a a pay-per-view is a is a monthly thing or used to be a monthly thing in wwe land and that pay-per-view was huge because it was in in london for the first time in 30 years but on this past aew biography um 
and a I love the biography. Not AEW. A and A and E biography. I'm not going to be making. Don't that. confuse those. Yeah, I'm going to be making that. That's all right. Mistake. Hopefully not too much. But A and E. Uh, let's get over it. That's fine. <laughs> biography. Then the A and E biography series, which I absolutely loved um, this season. Um, everyone has been, even the ones, even the, the people that I knew about, I still found um, a lot of cool new stuff I didn't know, namely um, with Undertaker, um, the Lex Luger, by the, the Kurt Angle one, I thought I knew, I didn't know a whole lot about that guy's early life, that should have been three hours, I think I talked about it before, and this past Sunday, the biography was on not a person, but an event, the very first WrestleMania. And what it took to put that on. I never heard that story before. That's weird. Yeah. Um, and if you're watching it for the first time, you have gotten the you would have gotten the WWE whitewashed version of um, how they made WrestleMania happen. Um, and if you listen to the WWE, the WWE biography. Um, uh, all the WWE biographies lean heavily on the WWE inspired bullshit that they feed to the viewers um, who they don't know any better because it involves a lot of heavy handed padding on their collective backs, how they've done all of these things, how they rescued wrestling from um, the seedy arenas and the tiny um, youth centers and they brought it into the mainstream only the wwf could have done that and only the, them it, and well they made the, the um wrestlemania um seem like because they were doing it they were showing it on closed circuit tv and if you listen to the talking heads on this wwe biography on the talking heads were on the show no one had ever done a closed circuit before no Not no before one. wrestlemania no one, NWA, nobody's done it. Starcade didn't happen. That wasn't closed circuit. And they were talking about this, Dan, on the same breath where they were talking about how getting Muhammad Ali to be the referee. Muhammad Ali did more closed circuit fights. All, all of his bouts were almost always closed circuit. The fight of the century, March 18th, 1971, was shown in movie theaters across the country. Sorry, Badash is Badash is teasing us in the chat because of our position. I'm sorry. Craig, stop leaning over and looking down Dan's crotch, and then she want me to put your my tongue in your ear. Which ear? Uh that the, the one closest to me, the other one. Okay. Next one. Okay. okay. Trying to get close. There you go. You're welcome, uh, Badass. Only for you, Badass. You, Badass, you. who is the subject of much controversy from yes. pale white folks on TikTok who now think I'm going to keep messaging them because they're bored. Anyway, I'm sorry. Close circuit. It, yeah. Close. So, yeah. So the WWE revisionist history machine was on full display in this A&E biography on the WrestleMania um completely again they were the first according to them the first to do closed circuit tv um no one had done it before then and uh they had jimmy hart talking about the old southern wrestling territory days um and how wwf was going to you know 
taken to the mainstream, even though it had been taken to the mainstream on uh, TBS Superstation, which Georgia Championship Wrestling was the most popular show on cable television throughout most of the 80s. You know, you know what it sounds like, Craig? It sounds very familiar, like no one's ever done this before. This is the first time it's ever happened. Yeah. No one's ever it's no one ever did it good gooder than I did. Yeah. Uh a lot of heavy-handedness. Um small heavy-handedness. Yeah, it um completely we'll we'll skip over the part where um Vince McMahon was out on his ass and had to sell back the uh, his sheriff to Jim Crockett. I was going to say, we're going to skip out on the part where uh, Jim Crockett basically funded WrestleMania 1. Yeah, and we're also going to skip on uh, Antonio Inoki, who also had a million-dollar appear- um, uh, consultation fee that he gave to Vince McMahon. Um, on the, they talked about MTV, how MTV set up WrestleMania, and uh, Cindy Lauper, uh, her match with, with um, um, Wendy Richter's match with Fabulous Moolah broadcast live on MTV, um, did a 9.6 rating for MTV. But on that, Madison, they did it live from Madison Square Garden. On that card was Antonio Inoki. And it was Antonio Inoki that brokered um, Vince McMahon. Um, what was I? It wasn't the attendance fee, or um, oh, long story sure, short, yeah. Antonio Inoki gave Vince McMahon a million dollars, um, for his uh, appearance at the Madison Square Garden show, and for his to retain his services for um future uh endeavors. So between the one million dollars that he got from Antonio Inoki. The $1 million Vince got for selling back his share to Jim Crockett. That's how he funded WrestleMania. But I thought he mortgaged his house to sacrifice his whole life. Yeah. yeah, GM Spectre says, I always wondered what watching TV at that time would have been like if I was a wrestling fan back then, that is. Oh, my God. GM, you would have been in effing heaven because that's where I was. In effing heaven. Because not only did I... In fucking heaven, not in regular heaven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because not only was it MTV the biggest thing on TV is back when they played videos, kids, and seeing uh, your fate wrestling on MTV was huge. Seeing um, on a Saturday afternoon, GM, you could see WWF, NWA, Georgia, Florida, AWA, World Class, Memphis, Southwest Championship Wrestling, all on the same fucking day. Do you understand? You could spend an entire day watching wrestling, not even talking about the six to eight o'clock hour where there'd be two hours of primetime wrestling on TBS Superstation. 6.05, super, 6.05 to 8.05 was wrestling. NWA stuff. And not only just the best of Georgia championship wrestling, the Road Warriors at the very beginning, but they would show clips from Florida and from World Class. Ric Flair would make an appearance and they show a video of other wrestlers that would appear in the in in the NWA. Wrestling was king in 1985. Could you would could not believe it was why I love doing the historian so much because I get to take you back to when it was great for me 
and get to experience how awesome it was to have wrestling every Saturday and hours and hours and hours of wrestling. Speaking of which, why don't yeah. you just go right to it, buddy? What? This is this is what professionalism is. Uh, I started a little around before a uh, little before WrestleMania five. That's mm-hmm. why I love YouTube. Gives me a lot of history. Exactly why I like the history lessons. Well, that's why we're here. Uh, Badash also says, what would it have been like if I was alive years old back then? <laughs> uh, you know, you'd be older. You'd be older. And you'd be in a lot more pain. And and but 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 pale white dudes would still give you shit on the internet because women are not allowed to be empowered. How dare you? Uh anyway. <laughs> so that was WrestleMania, March 31st, 1985. Um I will still encourage you to check out the A&E biography, the whole series. Um, I'm going to binge it. I'm gonna, eventually, we'll be actually able to talk about it. It'll be great. I, I hope so. And if you disregard the, the WWE slant to everything, mm-hmm. uh, watching the old, watching old clips and just talk and listening, hearing from the guys that were actually there on this particular episode, not just Jimmy Hart, uh, but they talked to Brutus Beefcake, Hogan, of course, Ricky Steamboat, um got uh talked about it uh, a lot um greg valentine guys that were actually there when it happened it was a magical time and right they talked to the alan hunter the vj um uh, talked to dave wolf who was part of the rock and wrestling connection and uh how we that all got started with girls just want to have fun that video from cindy lopper and cindy lopper was the biggest star on in music before madonna um but yes, so please check it out. And I'm waxing nostalgic about how great it was back in 1985, how great wrestling was. But there are other great things that happened in the past as well. And that's what we're here to talk about because I'm going to go back in this week in professional wrestling history, back when wrestling was actually wrestling, back when it was on cable on more than one channel and it was popular in all 50 states. And the crowds, Dan, GM Spectre, that's what was missing. If you look at the old footage, even just in WrestleMania, you'll just see not see women, kids, old people, young people, black people, Hispanic black people. people. Yes. Oh, my God. Not oh. like today where it's all white men, 20 to 40, bald head, black shirts and beards. Um. That's probably what I miss most about professional wrestling. But that's not what I'm going to talk about here. I'm going to go back to a week in professional wrestling in September and see what it wrought. Hold on. I need my glasses to look back more clearer. Sorry. Amber, eventually, you'll, eventually, eventually you'll get, get your right. ears. Yeah, eventually. yeah. While, while, I'm say, while you're doing that, I do want to say this. Uh, Badash, this is sarcastic, by the way. Uh, Badash says, let's talk about XPW. I want to join that promotion. Nothing I want more than my bottoms ripped off mid-ring. And my reply is, fuck Rob Black and fuck Necro Butcher and kiss my ass if you want to do something about it. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Mega fucking showed. (laughs) Uh, We're going to go back to uh, uh, September 8th. Um, just a a, um, a a quick uh, belated birthday shout out uh, to one of our favorite wrestlers and to our favorite 
wrestler turned comic book uh, writer. Uh, happy 58th birthday to uh, oh yeah, Scotty, Scotty the Body, Scott Anthony, Scotty Flamingo, Johnny Polo, Raven, the one and only Scott Levy. I don't, I don't want to touch upon it too much but just tell us the name of the book he wrote uh the spider-man what the fuck is the name of it again web of spider-man uh number four that's what gm specter just said it's amazing it is amazing um for any spider-man fans uh you know spider-man his first opponent was a uh when he wanted to earn some money he uh became a wrestler and he beat the champ it was we saw it in uh, the first Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, um, with uh, the late Bone great Randy Savage. is ready. Well, in the actual comic book, it wasn't Bonesaw McGraw. It was a wrestler named Crusher Hogan. That would be the first person, that sp- the first foe that Spider-Man ever fought. And in this great comic book written by Scott Levy, Raven, uh, we see the world from the 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 point of view of crusher hogan we see the wrestler's point of view we all know how spider-man became spider-man but we didn't get to see how crusher how we got to this point where he was challenging people anyone that could beat him will win five thousand dollars and it's a great story uh about and if you're a wrestling fan it's the perfect story uh that just happens to be in comic books uh, in comic book form written by uh, Scott Levin. If you know Raven at all, uh, during his time in ECW, he came to the ring wearing a different comic book shirt, Punisher. He had a Captain America shirt before anyone was wearing Captain America shirts. Um, Batman, he was a Sandman. Yes, I got you. He wore... (laughs) We all hit it. GM Spectre hit it at the same goddamn time. Synergy, motherfucker. Yes, but Scott Levy, huge comic book fan, and he wrote... uh, quintessential uh epic spider-man story um so please check it out and happy belated birthday to uh scott levy both the levy never more <laughs> uh september 9th 1991 um uh little did we know on this wwf tv taping in ottawa would be historic dan but on september 9th there's 19- not much things in ottawa this it is historic, but it happened on this particular day, September 9th, 1991, in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, during a WWF TV taping. Jim Powers lost. <laughs> Jim Powers lost to the debuting Ric Flair. <laughs> Oops. How very, dare they make him job to Ric Flair? Very first match in the WWF took place September 9th, 1991. Those bastards. Jim Powers never recovered. No. no. <laughs> uh, he, he, and that was a match that actually that Flair wore the gold belt um, that eventually was blurred out on television, but he owned it, and that would be uh, his debut in the WWF, and because we know the rest is history, and uh, the day before, the NWA had actually stripped had formally stripped Ric Flair of the title. Um, the, the the they were the last ones to do it. They officially Which stripped him of the title. Yeah. Uh, the WCW stripped him back in July, but the NWA officially did it September eighth, nineteen 
the day before he debuted in uh <laughs> in the WWF. Badash called him something I've never heard before, and it's simple but hilarious. Prick flare. Prick flare, yeah. Prick flare, that's good. And it's good. I'll go with that. I can't watch this the same ever since someone mentioned that the blurred out belt looked like he was flashing. Well, that the, t- timely, GM, timely. Oh, moving on quickly. <laughs> moving on. Uh, September 10th, 1988. One of my favorite matches of all time. And one of the, and it is the most historic uh, tag team bout that ever happened here. Right here. Right here. Right up here. September 10th, 1988. And the old Philadelphia Civic Center, at the corner of 34th. And Chestnut, uh, the United States Tag Team Champions, the Midnight Express, Stan Lane and beautiful Bobby Eaton, managed by Jim Cornette, took on the reigning, defending, undisputed NWA World Tag Team Champions, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, managed by James J. Dillon, with Charles Barkley in the front row. Sitting at the timekeeper's table, holding up the four horsemen symbol. Amazing. History was made where double pin Arn Anderson pinned Bobby Eaton, but I'm sorry, Bobby Eaton had pinned Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard uh, after the slingshot suplex had pinned Stan Lane. Referee counted to three, and the belts, all four belts were awarded to the Midnight Express. And they became the first and only tag team to be the United States Tag Team Champions and the NWA Tag Team Champions. Right there in Philadelphia, history was made. Double champion. In the not-so-air-conditioned Philadelphia Civic Center. In the not-so-air-conditioned Philadelphia Civic Center. It was not. It was very hot, and it was very loud that night because no one could believe what they saw. And even now, looking back 34 years later, um, we not only did we see history of the undisputed championship between the, with the Midnight Express being crowned double champions, but that would that would be uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard's last match. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. In the NWA, ever, they would go to the WWF, eventually become the WWF Tag Team Champions, becoming the first team ever. To be NWA Tag Team Champions and the WWF Tag Team Champions. They did it first, not the Road Warriors. But that would be the that that bout that I witnessed, September 10th, 1988, would be the last time that Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard would ever team up in the NWA. And it's on the uh, Midnight Express DVD, so you do get to see it. it. Is. I do get to see it. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, we uh, mentioned it. Not finally, uh, second to finally, penultimately. Uh, <laughs> penultimately. <laughs> <laughs> something else great happened on September 11th. Uh, happy, another belated birthday. Um, these guys, are their birthdays are right next to each other. No wonder they got along so well. But happy belated 57th birthday uh, to the man we mentioned earlier in this podcast, the greatest talker in the business right now, the great Paul Heyman. Happy belated birthday, Paul. And today in wrestling history, I know you were watching it, Dan. Um, I think a lot of people were. Um, and once again, it centers around Ric Flair. I, I mentioned Ric Flair made his WWF debut 
uh, September uh, 9th, 1991. Well, September 13th, 1998, in Greenville, South Carolina, during a live edition of Nitro, it was the return of Ric Flair. It all uh, comes full circle. <laughs> it all comes full circle, folks. That's what the historian is all about. Um, uh, James J. James J. Dillon resplendent. It's weird. J.J. Dillon wore cocks for most of his wrestling career when he was a manager, but when he wore it on this particular night today, um, twenty-four years ago, uh, he looked amazing. It's like I've always seen J.J. J.J. would be wearing a tux during, on the Florida Championship Wrestling uh, when he was managing the Mongolian Stomper. But here he was in the tux introducing uh, Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson would introduce Steve Mongo McMichael. Mm. Uh, and, <laughs> oh, and, Mongo. and Chris Benoit <laughs> and Dean Malenko. And uh, they I noticed you didn't sigh when he saw Benoit's name, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, that's my new favorite shirt, by the way. I have a better dad than Chris Benoit. Yeah. Yeah, no comment. Anyway. And Arn Anderson goes, oh, yeah, we forgot one more guy, Ric Flair. Huh? What a goof. What a goof. I know I've been known to forget sometimes and might have a touch at Alzheimer's, but my God, I almost forgot the fourth husband, Ric Flair. Get on down here. And not that he hadn't, and, and preface this by uh, acknowledging that uh, you find out, which was doubled down on by Rick himself by saying everything you heard about me was true. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have said that, Rick. But yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, as Badass says, Rick Flair is like skin cancer. He keeps coming back. Wow. Damn. Um, one of the goddamnedest, most electric moments I've ever seen in television history was that guy work shooting with Bischoff for the next couple months, which was probably more work than shoot. Yeah. Uh admitted to both from both of them. Mm -hmm. But that that promo, it's that promo as far as 98 goes. I'm not talking about the prime of the horseman because no. every week was promo of the year for those yeah. guys, every one of them, including Rick. But that promo, and then the one the night after Starcade 98 in Baltimore, I could still quote like the back of my hand because they're fantastic. But when 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 it, Bischoff comes out and he goes, "You're a barbarian asshole," you he just straight up. There's no there's no promos. He says, "You are an obnoxious, overbearing asshole. You suck. You I hate your guts. I hate your guts. You're a liar. You're a cheat. You're a scam. You are a no good son of a bitch." Fire me! I'm already fired! Fire me! I'm already fired! That's not a bad Ric Flair, by the way. But that was great. I mean, again, you know, recent stories of him being a complete scumbag aside, it was fucking Ric Flair, man. That, yeah. that moment, Downhausen cartoon, yeah, that moment, because, you know, once Bischoff started sprinkling in references, you knew it was just a matter of time. Yeah. Whatever it happened, mm -hmm. and what had happened was, as Rick said, I'm off this week. I'm taking my son to a wrestling meet. He goes, you're not off. I said, I requested it a month ago. Fuck face. I'm taking off. <laughs> and so Bishop sued him. And then Bishop Bischoff sued him, and Rick Flair re-sued him. So it was a nice little fun, you know, back and forth. And, and then they worked together. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, there is a couple punches in that Starcade match. You probably were real. Not probably. I, I, I yeah, the farm yeah, on it. But yeah. it's a great moment. It's a great moment. It's a shame because like and I fucking hate Hulk Hogan. I and, hated him 20 years. I hated him when he was a kid. I hated him on a visceral level because he's well, Sting was my guy. Fuck this guy. I didn't say fuck this guy as a kid, but you get my point. Sting was a four, forefront Vader. All of a sudden, my main event that next year is fucking Hogan and Brutus or whatever they were calling him that week. Yeah. Um, Hogan had great moments, which, you know, they're tarnished now for him being the piece of gar- And I'm not even talking about the sex tape and flying the N-word every other sentence. I'm not even, even getting to that yet. I'm talking about the shit he did to people backstage as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. He was a great businessman. He kind of, he, he, if he saw you as a threat, he took care of you. It's really simple. Um, but even, but he had great moments that are tarnished by, well, he's kind of a piece of garbage. Yes. And here we are, Rick. This is an amazing moment. Um, Kind of did sexual assault and got away with it. Not kind of. The kind of part was sarcasm, ladies. Um, you know, it's just ugh, ugh, with a side of ugh. Yeah, there's so many um, wrestlers that damn it uh, that changed the game that we can love for what they did for wrestling, but we can also hate for what they did outside of wrestling. You know, we've said yeah, which just be a garbage piece of shit. Yeah. And we said many good things about Ric Flair, but he's also uh, a, a garbage piece of shit. And he's also a shitty husband. Yeah, yeah, and a shitty father. Um, and a really shitty father. Uh, We're not, you know what? Even that's a line I won't cross. Yeah, um, let's not talk about that one. Anyway, no, sorry. But and we've and same thing with with Hogan. We've uh, we've vilified Hogan on this video, but we've also given him give him credit where it where it's due. Um, I've uh, never been a huge fan of of Hulk Hogan. I always put him on my Mount Rushmore of guys that have changed the game. And uh, I will always take his side in the Vern Gagne AWA issue. Yes, correct. Yes, Um, most people would. Yeah, but, you know, other than that, yeah, he's obviously. Other than that, fuck him. (laughs) And when you see and when you see him in the um, and oh, and by the way, when you do watch the A&D biography, on WrestleMania. Oh, I might avoid that just for him. No, just but you, 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 I just want you to see Hogan just for in this because obviously there's lots of self-serving and back slapping on no everything Hogan did. But during the whole broadcast, Dan, he's wearing a Macho Man Randy Savage t-shirt. Oh, go fuck yourself, Terry. Oh, eat a whole bag of fucking balls, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you disrespectful oaf. Oh, that's the nicest thing I can. And that, gentlemen and ladies, was a wrestling historian. <laughs> and you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook at Craig Lagon, C R A I G L I G E O N S. That made me so mad. I'm not <laughs> watching it now. I will just get triggered. That, well, that will trigger my snowflake, love and ass. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Danlaw83, the HIC Talk Radio Network, uh, triggering wrestling promoters since 2012, uh, can be found at HIACTalkRadio.com. And of course, your favorite podcast app, just search HIC.
HIAC talk radio. Um, <laughs> sure, Hogan can't walk up anything more than two steps, but still, uh, that's true. How are you going to run from Hogan? He can beat you. I'm just going to climb some stairs. Um, and, and as a fact, I, I can assure you, I can climb a flight of stairs or two rather rapidly, especially if there's food at the end of it. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, yes, HICTalkRadio.com. All social media platforms, HICTalkRadio. For Craig Legans, I am the other guy. Keep it on the paper.